0: You're listening to the Public Safety Drone Flight Podcast, your source of real world actionable aviation information for fire departments, police departments, and law enforcement agencies. This is the critical information you need to be an exceptional pilot and help save lives with flight. And now, your host, Public Safety Flight Chief Pilot, Steve Rode. Hi, this is Steve Rode, your friendly chief pilot here at the Public Safety Flight website. Be sure to visit psflight.org to get in on my private email list, read all the latest posts, or ask me all of your public safety drone questions. That's psflight.org, or if that trips you up, you can land in the right place by using publicsafetyflight.org. All right, when it comes to dealing with legal issues surrounding unmanned aircraft issues, there is no one more recognized As an attorney in the space than john ruprecht his website is a plethora of information and as far as i'm concerned he's a top authority in this space and i'll be sure to link to his website in the description for this episode now john didn't accidentally fall into aviation law he's been interested in aviation for quite some time you see he graduated from Embry riddle aeronautical university and holds ratings in airplanes as a commercial instrument rated pilot in single and multi-engine airplanes and he is also a certified flight instructor and you know as i mentioned oh yeah he's a lawyer as well he graduated from the florida international university college of law and has gone on to do great things in the aviation legal world john thank you so much for the time today
1: hey thank you for having me
0: so uh, let's jump right in with uh, a question that i sent you um i'm not going to tell any tales But I do want to let people know ahead of time that your answer to the question was there are so many issues here. And so the burning issue of the moment is educating public safety agencies on how to balance what a drone can do versus what the federal aviation regulations uh, will allow. For example, one drone manufacturer promotes the incredible artificial intelligence capabilities of its aircraft. And it demonstrates it regularly, flying beyond visual line of sight uh, in excess of the requirements that we have to abide by. So should public safety agencies take that it's okay to do that and to fly as the marketing shows? Or how can they reasonably judge and gauge their liability for violating the FARs?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I mean, so public aircraft operator, well, government operators uh, have a couple uh, two different options well actually multiple different options and actually going about flying and one of the ones you're referencing there is 107 so there are many fire departments police departments that go and fly under part 107 and 107.31 provides that you can't pretty much fly with beyond line of sight it's a limitation primarily tethered to your visual Uh, abilities right so the uh, time of day the color of the aircraft how good your eyesight is the size of the aircraft that are all those are all limiting factors on how far out you can go so there's a human component to 10731 that many people kind of miss and that's the tether if you will that limits how far the technology can actually go uh, without having to obtain a 107 waiver however you have other options you can also go fly under part 91 Uh, as a public aircraft operator. But that has specific federal statutes that you have to comply with, and that can get problematic for certain types of operations. So for example, the federal statutes provide, or specifically say that in order to actually be a public aircraft operator, you're going to actually not receive any compensation for the flight. Well, that gets problematic because certain... Uh, fire departments or something, let's say, they want to actually maybe use it for disaster response and then take that uh, those operations and then submit it uh, for reimbursement to FEMA, right? Compensation, boom, now you're no longer mm-hmm. a public aircraft operation. So there's a, like I said, there's so many things that can be said about this. Like, where do you want, where do you want to go? I mean, there's the FAA legal aspects. Um, and well, then, let's
0: let's yeah. get this one question. So uh, under, as a government operator, I see many departments that, have applied for COAs, uh, Certificates of waivers or Authorizations, because they believe that they can fly uh, according to their own rules. They don't have to comply with anything else. And in doing some research, I found out that at least 90% of the COAs that are issued do not allow for beyond visual line of sight flying. So are people mistaken that they can just do that as they want, or do they have to comply?
1: Uh, you have to comply with the law and that's kind of, uh, uh, that's, that's a big issue there. Um, and and actually what I find interesting is actually the public sector guys are actually, it seems to be when it comes to, uh, regulatory compliance, they're actually the worst out of all of the industries I've ever dealt with. And it's really, I think it's just really strange when the cops are like, don't know the law. I just, I'm just like, wait a second guys.
0: Well, you think, you think that's a a type A personality thing? I mean, I I know us pilots are, type A's, but in, in public safety, um, the, one of the things I walked into was as a a pilot first before being a firefighter was an assumption that, uh, because I'm in public safety, I can do what I want to do. Uh,
1: no. (laughs) (laughs) So I I mean, that's your opinion and that's it. It's so there, there there's, 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 yeah. There seems to be this kind of overall aspect to where like, we're the good guys. We can kind of color outside the lines or don't really need to know where the, those lines specifically are because we're trying to get our job done and we have more important things to do, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then there, and then it's strange that I always seem those t- those particular groups of people. So just to emphasize training and safety when it comes to like their regular, like non drone side of the mm-hmm. business, mm-hmm. if you will, I guess, right. What other job, but then when it comes to the drones, uh, they seem to be some of the worst, uh, regarding what they actually understand or how much time and effort. And, you know, I don't know if that's cultural. It's also, could be just a practical matter of that. The upper management could have given this to them and they just dumped it on the plate and said, Hey, uh, you got to do the drone program or they wanted to pioneer the drone program, but they realized there were the, the, that the potato that size uh, would not properly fit on the plate. So they had to kind of settle for a smaller potato in knowledge, if you will. And so it could be also that pro- uh, uh, upper management did not properly allocate the, uh, uh, them to do what they need to do. So, I mean, it's a combination of I I would say all of the above, um, when it comes to doing that. So
0: you've provided me with a perfect segue here. Um, I, I call the new drone pilots that I see in public safety, public safety is my focus. All right. I'm not not talking about all drone pilots, but in public safety, uh, I, I love to call them the accidental aviators because they got excited about flying the drone but they were never really into learning about aviation. You have a great background, commercial pilot, instrument rated, multi-engine, CFI. Um, Tell me what mindset uh, that people don't, have not been educated about or don't have when they have only passed a 60 question test to get a commercial license.
1: (laughs) That is so great of a question. Basically, if you phrased another way, what else should you know that wasn't on the test? Uh, mm-hmm. Because you studied for the test and you thought that was it, uh, but it, it's not. A um, couple examples would be um, primarily figuring out like if you are uh, NASA reporting forms, uh, which NTSB, uh, uh, if any of the NTSB reporting requirements apply to that flight, maybe you're flying a civil aircraft operator. However, uh, you got to look carefully at that. When does that get triggered um, up? up in there, as well as do you have a proper emergency, uh, procedures. A lot of the manufacturers have manuals that are more like, uh, computer manuals, but not actual operations manuals where they have like emergency ch- uh, procedures for like loss link flyaway, things like that. So mm-hmm. that's not really even tested upon uh, proper, proper pre-flight, um, emphasis really kind of inspection on the aircraft, the area, the uh, airspace and knowing all those different things and how they can potentially affect your operations. Um, and actually, and the problem is, is you're also trying to have to learn how to speak aviationese and only a certain portion of aviation actually applies to drone flights. And the FAA didn't really do a good job of kind of like pulling it out all and saying, here's everything you need from all these little parts and pieces. They're kind of just expecting you to go and run around and read everything and then kind of uh, as a newbie, right, figure out whether you need that or not, and nobody's really kind of holding their hands, especially for like airspace pre-flighting. Uh, what do you need to know for that? For for that, um, some of the regulations you study under 107 when you're flying, but you don't understand that there's a, a whole host of other uh, like federal crimes uh okay, that's regarding weird. airspace <laughs> violations those are not even on your exam dude like like those like yeah and i mean what about like tams? like hey what's what's a tam? why do you check yeah. tams? everybody's like yo they're tfr as you fly there the fbi um will come after you it's like yeah that's true they'll, they'll bust you if you're at the super bowl and we've seen that happen um oh yeah but there's, there's, there's super bowl Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, uh, uh, we've seen that, but then there's also issues with what about the, uh, no TAMs for GPS interference testing when the military Mm -hmm. is doing jamming exercises, when your aircraft is using GPS and that's your mitigator for a lost link, it's not really going to be flying back home if it's jammed and you're in that actual area at that time. So you can, you need to know how to check for that. And on top of that, I mean, there's, there's airspace, the charts, the chart supplement, right? The NOTAMs that update the chart supplements and the sectionals and everything uh, after they've been published. And then you have multiple databases. So, I mean, I, I, at the same time, I feel for everybody that's maybe not proficient at this because there's Mm -hmm. just, there's a voluminous amount of information here. And even on the man side of things, a lot of those guys don't probably even know all of the intricacies of these different uh, pockets, I guess you would say of like even how drone law and some of the stuff, I mean the drone stuff doesn't even get oh yeah, isn't yeah. even applicable I it, it doesn't even kind of interact with what's going on with manned aviation so much. Um so great example would be the thousands of ninety-nine point seven flight restrictions that are all over the place that mm-hmm. the FA for some reason thought they they issued six special security instructions under ninety-nine point seven to prohibit you to flying near uh certain uh, uh military bases and certain things. Um at some point that might get called into question in a court case, whether those are actually like legitimate uses of the 99.7, but regardless, do you know how to check for those? There's a map that actually has all of those uh, on there. Uh, Does anybody actually properly pre-flight for those prior to flying, you know, and let's take it back down to a a basic level. Sure, I'm going to ask
0: you to put your, your CFI hat on for a moment. And, uh, One of the things that I feel that drone pilots got shortchanged on was that time that you spend at the airport or with your flight instructor or talking to people hanging around um, the airport. And can you talk just for a minute about as a flight instructor, what are the things that you teach when you're not teaching how to pass a test, right? You must be talking about aeronautical decision making, risk management, you know, in more friendly terms, but you're providing other information, aren't you?
1: Uh right. I mean, yeah. So, uh, from a, from a CFI standpoint, we we're primarily teaching the people how to think, how to properly, or kind of instilling a culture of safety um, in, in the in the pilot, uh, the professionalism, uh, kind of the the, you you're in, as well as also trying to identify potentially any areas that they may have that they're blind to that you need to elucidate on, such as maybe you have a hazardous attitude of some sort, such as machoism, right? Oh, you think you're awesome and you can really get this done all the time? Well, I have a dead guy's uh, signature in my logbook because he thought otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. And that could happen to you, right? So you can have those conversations where you're like, yeah, the the flight instructor who checked me out on on an aircraft died not many like months later leaving a wife and kid. Um, you need to knock it Ironically, off. I, I do have one of those in my logbook. Right? Yeah, I'm like you and I can have those conversations where, like, yeah, I flew with a dead guy, and I have a dead guy's lo- you know signature in my logbook, and yeah. um, so you can have you can have those those that like, mentor mentee kind of conversations that the 107 guys really don't uh, benefit from. But however, well, they're not mandatorily required to do such. However, they're free to go and do that, and they need to actually go and probably seek out. Uh, people that are experienced that they can actually probably learn from in regards to just primarily like, just like pre-flighting, like what does pre-flighting look like, right? How many mm-hmm. times did you watch your flight instructor uh, kind of explain like, Hey, look at the weather over there. What's going on over here. Hey, we need to check for this because this is the reason why And you remember those conversations. And then you kind of tell them to the next person, right? So like this oral tradition um, and you can still kind of do that with people out there that are actually operating. So if you, if you lack that, that, uh, that experience, you should probably you should definitely be wise and go and seek it out because that that remote pilot knowledge exam that you passed to go fly under 107 really doesn't do much. If you're flying under part 91 under a public COA, then that doesn't do I mean that's self-certified in regards to how you train the pilots there. And some of them use Part 107 as a proxy, but part 107 doesn't even I mean, the, the, the remote pilot certificate doesn't even teach you everything you need to know under part 91 and all the the rest of the regulations. So there's, there's many, many gaps and holes in this that the program managers are going to need to be very careful, uh, in, in regards to, uh, properly kind of patching up those holes prior to operating, or if they're doing it right right, now, they need to just like chill out and go talk to somebody who's maybe more experienced than them. Let's, uh, let's scare
0: people straight for a moment with some truth. Uh, and what is your perception about uh, the someone who says the FARs don't apply to me? I'm just going to fly. There are no absolutely no consequences to me for not flying within the rules. What's your advice?
1: Uh, yeah. So, great question. Um. So, I mean. From, a, from a, a, a political fallout, right, there's the, the, the PR relations nightmare that'll happen there if you're flying and you're, you know, your boss finds out about it. Um, yeah, and you're doing it on company time, right, that'll, or you know, that, that could cause all sorts of headache, right? Um, let's say you're doing it in an individual capacity or it's just going to be applicable to you only, uh, you could have uh, some fines going on there from the Federal Aviation Administration And typically, whenever you're violating a regulation, you're not doing just one, you're doing multiple regulations being violated at the same exact time. And those are on like, what, 14, it's like 1450 or something like that per violation. They add up fast. Yeah, per flight. Uh, So you could have, you know, a couple K uh, per flight. And depending upon the severity of the situation, the uh, uh, prosecutor could kind of treat it. certain violations are treated differently by the FAA uh, prosecutors. So you could have a violation, but they don't choose to fully spank you, right? They kind of give you like Mm -hmm. a light spanking, uh, but they could turn the volume up. If you overall, there's a pattern here where you do uh, exhibit this type of behavior where you just don't care, then they could really come after you with a fine. Uh, So you're saying like, hey, I don't have a certificate to lose. What do I care? They could come after you with a... uh, um, a penalty. And you're probably also like, well, how are they going to catch that? It's like, well, the FAA has been smartly smart. They they have been wise in how they're trying to play this out. Uh, you have a giant rat that's going to rat you out every time, right? It's called your drone with your telemetry. There's flight (laughs) data logs on there. So what they're going to do is they, what they do is if they want to come after you, they try to obtain that aircraft or send out subpoenas to the, uh, whatever company, you know, as the manufacturer of that aircraft and then obtain all that information.
0: there. let me interrupt you there. Or here's the other thing that drives me crazy. Are the departments that are rushing to fly using some sort of group software that tracks all the flights?
1: They could be right. So, um, I mean, couple. That's a potential vector of attack from the FAA, and or if there was a, a lawsuit, for example. Uh, I mean, it's, setting aside yeah, the whole sovereign immunity. I mean, so setting aside the whole sovereign immunity issue and all that. I mean, but here in Florida uh the um sovereign immunity has been waived for the public agencies um i think it's what $100,000 uh if it, if a normal person uh a civilian were, were to be held liable for that and so then that gets into issues there because that's that's probably the first target uh if i were coming after your your fire department police department i'm coming after i'm going to try to get a hold of all your flight records because if i can get a hold of those flight records and go through them and find some potential gotcha. Um, that could potentially be uh, showing a pattern of, hey, this guy has a pattern here of follow- of not following the regulations. Look, he's over 400 feet. I- I'm assuming he's under 107, right? I would try to identify also, are they a public aircraft operator? Or 107, and get into that, as well as also trying to find out if there's any um, consultants they're working with. So, a lot of people work with the consultants, but the attorney client privilege doesn't apply to consultants. So, Mm -hmm. what I would be doing is uh, is trying to subpoena them to get them squealing regarding where uh, you're weak on or you got something going on, and they're going to be stuck in a rock in a hard place between either saying what you don't want them to say uh, or lying and they're not going to do that. Why would they, right? Risk going to jail for you? No. Or being in contempt of court and not actually complying with the subpoena, right? Are they going to do that? No. Why would they go to jail for you? Right. So jail, jail, or rat you out. It's kind of a simple right, John, scenario, I'm, right? John, huh?
0: I want you to put on your plaintiff attorney hat for a moment. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and so here's a situation. A uh, police department is flying under a COA. And they're flying, uh, let's say, a Matrice 210. It falls from 25 feet and severely injures or uh, kills somebody. And uh, all of a sudden, they're in the crosshairs. And they haven't had an equivalent or better Part 107 education program, no recertification, no flight safety management system, no chief pilot, no approvals. Uh, and they were unable to certify that their aircraft was airworthy. And this flight was actually for a different town department other than the police department. And it turns out it's not really a public aircraft operation as a plaintiff's attorney. Where would you start?
1: I would start by running an advertisement saying, have you been recently injured in a drone wreck? You know, call me and I'll get you the money you deserve. Right. Um, the, uh, so that would be a <laughs> kind of a uh, uh, yeah. There would be some issues there. I mean, so one from a uh, uh, you know, what, was there actually potentially negligence here, right? So that's kind of one aspect to this whole thing. Because uh, some of these aircraft potentially maybe for whatever reason, right, it just had some type of failure and it wasn't negligent um, by, by how you were maybe operating. So you kind of have to keep that in mind in the back. Just because it, an aircraft fails doesn't mean it is uh, negligent and you're going to get a judgment against you. However, due to the operational restrictions in part one Oh seven, you could then look at those and say, Hey, had it not been for you, right? If you would have done that, this would have not happened such as, Hey, don't fly over people. You flew over people. you hit that. Right. That's a game over. You, you at that point, it's like tennis, the ball's on your court, on your side. You have to knock it back and show that somehow, uh, I guess, you weren't flying over people. Or when it went out of control due to software malfunction, uh, that was not over people. But because of the software malfunction, it flew. Uh, so so that, that, in, that introduces some weirdness and gotchas there. But as time has gone on and drones have become more and more reliable, the discussion of a flyaway software malfunction is potentially maybe uh mitigated um but even if you were to argue a software discussion saying hey that was the 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 actual uh reason for that event then the next question is well was it foreseeable that these very very unreliable drones that are plagued with software issues right yeah, that was foreseeable, right? What did you do to prevent that, right? Did you actually go out to the field and properly to maybe for the new, the the latest and greatest hardware, uh, I mean, a, a firmware update to the batteries of the aircraft? Did you go and fly it and check if there were any issues? I mean, remember when we had the Matrice uh, 200 uh, battery problem? Remember that, like, oh, like yeah. two, three? Years? Right. Wait, so we had the firmware. Did you go and probably uh, test it out and log that somewhere just to see, yeah, we, uh, we, we updated things. We tested it out. Everything appeared normal. This was something that we at least tried to check for, but it, you know, it, it evaded our review. Um, so there, there's some things there that can you could put in, you put together. Uh, actually, I mean, when you scoop this whole thing out, when people kind of say, "Hey, what do you do on the back end?" You you kind of more or less don't try to address this from the standpoint of. Uh, I say like a duty, but I approach things a lot more in the, and focusing on like causation and finding out, Hey, what are the hazards in these particular types of operations due to the environment, the aircraft, human factors, lack of training, lack of knowledge. Um, And then you try to create mitigations. And a lot of the regulations actually are their safety mitigations. And so you, I think of it more along that lines. And if and if police departments, fire departments right now are trying to figure out the best way to handle this, <clears throat> try to go through and actually identify all the hazards that are for particular types of given operations, right? You're doing crash traffic, uh, crash scene kind of monitoring. What's the potential issues there? Uh, you're doing search and rescue at night in the forest. What are the risks there? And you're going to you list those, and then you see whether or not your current SOPs uh, properly actually even mitigate for that. Because when you do that, you'll discover that the uh, remote pilot certificate is is not going to be uh, really that good at actually properly remedying or mi- really mitigating or eliminating uh, some of those problems. Um, yeah, so,
0: actually, I- the remote pilot certificate, uh, if you're flying according to the FARs, you're actually pretty damn limited on what you can do. People have it seems that they have assumed that you can do things um that aren't really legal. Like for example, an issue that came up recently was I can fly my drone at night as far as 3 miles away because I can still see the strobe.
1: Uh no. Yeah, right. because the problem there is under 10731 Um, so, well, that depends if you're doing 91 or 107 operations, if you're doing 107 operations, then a 107.31 specifically says that there's four elements that you actually need to, uh, you actually need to be able to see now, could you do certain things like take some, uh, position lights and put them out on the very far edges of the drone and kind of figure it out that way. Yeah, you could, you can get a little bit further out, but when you actually kind of look at 107.31, you realize real quick that. Uh, you end up hitting the beeve loss, like um, uh, limit, quick, quicker at night than you do during the day, and so some people go, I can go farther out. I'm like, no, you you have even less during the night, and if you're now going even further out and you got this little dot, then uh, yeah, you got to go get a one hundred seven thirty one. Uh, waiver because you're technically not even determining the orientation of the aircraft really. And and then you get into the fun games of telemetry or whatever, and you can say like, well, the telemetry and kind of like this and that, and I kind of know what I'm going there for, but that that's not a good game to play. For a public safety uh, agency that it's better to break a flight
0: rule and take off right now and hope for the best or call the DC hotline number and get an SGA, SGI waiver before they take off.
1: Uh well, the SGI waiver most of the, H- H- okay so th- I th- I think probably what you're better getting at because you're creating this like weird uh, hypothetical scenario where uh hey I just picked up a drone I'm trying to save somebody's life yeah like hypothetically if you're gonna try to save somebody's life. Uh, and you literally picked up the drone, like you're like some movie action star that ran into like some big box store and pulled it out. And you're like, I know nothing about drones. I had no time to prepare, literally no time to prepare. I'm going to now save someone's life. Okay. Hey, you know what? I don't think anybody's going to care if you did that. However, for 99.9% of all of the people that are listening in the United States, right? They have more time to actually properly prepare. And so, uh, they should properly prepare uh to to learn uh what they're what they should be doing and mapping it out. What are the hazards? What are the training? What are the different things here? And properly pre-flighting this at the office uh prior to actually going and flying. And you know, what regulations are we flying under? Have we have we figured that out? Are we flying as public aircraft operators under part 91 with a public aircraft coa? if so, what are we complying with all the public aircraft statutes per flight and uh and, and all of that? Did we are we were we honest in actually explaining that to the uh the consultants or not the consultants but the 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 attorneys and stuff that we're working with because the other problem with this is there's a lot of people that have run into the area that are giving out all sorts of uh advice on this and um they some of them are not attorneys which creates a problem mm-hmm. because some of them are mm-hmm. actually drafting the public aircraft operations uh, declarations uh, letter specifically yes. saying hey xyz entity is compliant with the statutes well how in the world did you do that within that specific <laughs> jurisdiction since most of the states criminalize the unlicensed practice of law so hiring a consultant to file your paperwork uh could potentially open you up into some weirdness there seeing that one if they messed up uh That could look really bad like wait you didn't hire an attorney no i heard this guy he's still drones he's (laughs) awesome you know he can do it you know okay well that's problem one even if he did it correctly and uh he has like the knowledge to to look at that it also it it still opens up the the point of like well what what else to happen here with with everything that's going on did this consultant actually properly uh do everything just and, and let alone the fact is unfortunately whether you like it or not many of the states actually criminalize uh unlicensed practice of law like for florida it's a third degree felony to even Mm -hmm. start providing legal advice when you're not an attorney there's certain exceptions to that such as if you are like a licensed cpa and you're providing like tax advice if you are a patent uh yeah ah, but john
0: john i can think of a direct example here um a company out there uh is selling a program that allows you to control drones from remotely, from afar. And as part of buying the software, they will help you write that letter.
1: Uh, For purposes of public aircraft operations, uh, then you need to have, you need to kind of think about that in their particular jurisdiction. Are they writing that uh, as a kind of like a guide or something for you to ultimately send to your county attorney, right. Your city attorney to League review kind of as an aid to speed them up. So that, that at the end of the day, but there, at the end of the day, you need to ask them the question, like, are you able to actually do this? Um, because we have, uh, there's unlicensed practice law in all these states. And so mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that is an issue. I mean, now whether or not, a uh, a flight instructor or somebody is competent enough to actually draft one of these. I mean, that's, that's not the discussion. It's unfortunately, that's what the law is. And so that kind of brings up a, the discussion of, you know, are you dealing with a licensed and insured type of people that are filing your paperwork? um, And that gets into also these other weird areas of like, let's say the drone mapping and everything, right? Where certain states criminalize on Right. I mean, you have that and that's been going on a bunch of places. Like, so I'm planning on writing some more articles here on that. And I, I, Florida has fined people for that. Uh, California's had some, I have their letters, North Carolina. I've had their, I have their letters. And, and so that creates a lot of issues there. So, um, anytime you hear like, uh, a consultant saying, hey, I can help you do regulatory compliance or I can do drone mapping or whatever. Um, those are kind of really good, helpful hints that you might want to be asking whoever's suggesting or saying those things regarding like, hey, like, are there any laws here I should be aware of? Because it's also a great way to kind of judge uh, the maturity of those people you might be even working with and whether they've thought that out. Or like, oh, yeah, we got, we totally got that. It it's actually isn't. We've actually had to work through that. If they say, I don't know. Then you gotta kind of be thinking out of of that situation. Maybe they're they're not that mature and all the other different things. What other things are they not uh, properly mature on? Um, such as uh, what are the parts of the regulations? Are they properly? Uh, are the drones that you maybe even purchased? Um, if this was like a homemade drone or some custom you know job, yeah. the uh, are the uh, uh, transmitters within the current FCC legal limits? Sure. Um, are any That's of these the technical?
0: I ran into recently with a department where they weren't, they, they are not able to fly them. But um, one of the things I look for is, is the person at whatever X company you're talking to uh, part of admin legal department, or is this the sales and marketing folks telling you this?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, you need to ask some of these questions and is just to find out how mature that company is. And if they're, fairly mature then the the sales should have been properly trained to a uh, off the top of their head to answer certain types of questions right so hey can you tell me more about the uh the uh what is the export classification of this particular aircraft right is is it ea or 99 or nine alpha zero and two um if they're not able to answer these questions quickly then uh you got or at least put you into somebody who can then you got asked the question of potentially uh well, why do they not know that seeing that more mature businesses typically know those things? And are you dealing with someone here that's much more interested in just making a sale and maybe sincerely telling you incorrect information, right? And they're trying to help you, but they're just due to being new in the business or whatever. They're, so these are kind of some good questions maybe just ask these people primarily just a flag, just for your filtering purposes to determine who do you even want to deal with? Right. So I've done that multiple times. I'll, I'll ask those questions just to see what they say. Like, I know the answer to your yeah. aircraft, but I want to hear you say it back to me. Cause if I don't hear it, then I'm like, ah, uh, that guy's not really that like up to speed on this. And if he's not, here's the potential. He, this guy could be not complying with certain types of regulations and then he could get himself into trouble and that causes problems because then uh, we might be trying to use him later on for training or purposes or, or purchasing more aircraft. And there's, there's gotchas there because he's currently dealing with other legal problems because, so it's continuity of operations, right? Cause I'm trying to deal with the continuity of operations standpoint. I want to be dealing with people who are reliable, uh, who are, uh, crossing all their T's and dotting all their I's. Um, so some of these points here, are just good questions to ask and just fish out to see what the people say back, right? So, hey, you can help me file the declaration letter to go for a public COA. Well, isn't that like unlicensed practice of law? How did you handle that, right? Just ask that question. And, and if people start tap dancing around it, um, a real quick, simple way to do it is look at the declaration uh, letter that they give you and then call up the state bar association of wherever they're mm-hmm. located and just ask them and you'll get a quick answer. Just call up the unlicensed practice of law committee at. all all the bars have one call them up hey is this unlicensed practice law you
0: get a quick free answer here look i've got i've got the perfect answer for this situation i'm totally biased but i would be calling rubric law um (laughs) and asking you or your firm to review the the documents before i ever wanted
1: to file them okay well <laughs> 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 the 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 uh um and sometimes when people are also selling certain types of packages when they're like, hey, we can get you a public aircraft co, we can go you know, blah, 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 blah. Um sometimes those guys are not familiar with all the 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 different uh avenues that you may be able to actually do. So it's like, hey, why don't you tell me what's up? Um you want to do XYZ type of operation? Well, why are you doing a public aircraft operation why don't we do maybe a part One Hundred Seven operation and mm-hmm. then scale into a public aircraft operation like what what's the background there because um these are different tools in the tool belt and so it's kind of like going to the the tool store and then that that person can actually really help you pick out the right tool for the job and you're not wasting your money and time uh spinning spinning your wheels or at least coming up with a game plan um on on, on what to do uh, i think actually on my website i put together a whole entire article comparing the exemptions and the public coa and the public blank COA and 333, that three, three, the, the 44807s now and kind of the comparison and contrast between all of those. And so um you know that could somewhat help. Um but there's 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 just a whole host of things that you can also uh run into, especially if you're dealing with the Uh, if you talk to an attorney that's knowledgeable in the area that they could clue you in on these particular maybe legal hazards that you can mitigate primarily before it gets too late uh, that a typical consultant or salesperson um, might not be aware of okay so a sheriff actually told me that the reason they
0: went with the COA was because his pilots could not pass the 107 test have you run into that before
1: no, but I should probably run uh TV ads or something in that neighborhood or something. But anyways, no, the, uh, <laughs> so the, um, the, the, uh, <laughs> there, there, I, I have not, um, uh, heard of that. Uh, but I think that's actually a really good point there in regards to maybe just upper management properly allocating the time for some of those officers to actually properly study. Um, you know, so that could also be an upper management issue. It's not just maybe like, you know, was it a, you just have a bunch of, uh, sheriffs that are really dumb. Like, I don't think that's, that's the case. I think it could be potentially they have current busy work and they're trying to take care of bad guys and they only have so much time, uh, to actually properly study. And so why is an upper management assisting them in, uh, in, in doing what they need to do, right. To kind of fulfill their, their, their job of using the drones. So there's, there's a, You need to look at everybody. There's typically not just one person is the problem here.
0: All right. Well, John, I have taken up so much of your time. I have one more question, and I've only even asked you half the questions that I had for you. But uh, give us some words of wisdom with your attorney hat on how to handle any aviation issue if someone has called the FISDO and complained about your flight
1: operations. Ooh good question okay here's some stuff um uh okay so well what color did you spray your what, what color is your drone right hey well yep. okay so what would the drone look like drones white uh we don't fly white drones Mm-hmm. right so paint your drone a bunch of weird colors nobody would ever fly mm, that's a good point We don't fly white drones. We don't fly black drones. We have like some ugly, nasty purple with like zebra stripes and glitter. And you're like, nobody flies that. And you're like, exactly. That's why we fly that. So when somebody says, hey, you know, that was you. You were violating my privacy. You're like, no, that was somebody else.
0: (laughs) Well, do pilots, uh, do drone pilots uh, need to even be worried if someone from the FAA contacts them?
1: Uh, yes. I mean, everything you say can, will be used against you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you gotta be careful how you handle that because you could have, uh, you could have done something or they're potentially, I mean, I don't know how many times I've had phone calls where people are, uh, they're potentially on the receiving end of something maybe. And then they' it wasn't them. They're flying a white drone, just like the other white drones. Right. So when the white drone whoever's it is right does something bad and you just happen to be in the area then everyone's really uh like a like a bunch of hornets angry running around looking for whoever or whatever ends in the area with a white drone and so um you don't you might be on the wrong end of an investigation and cause some issues there you might want to think clearly especially how just this whole conversation here uh this is an issue that you need to work out with your current uh, city town, you know, whatever your supervising attorney is and potentially maybe some outside counsel that this all figured out prior to something happening. Because if you guys have this whole hot potato dumped in your lap and you're trying to call me up, I'm not going to be trying to like, figure out how to pick up a new client why you're why you got a giant mess you know because at the end of the day that's your mess and not my mess remember that whole like, be prepared thing guys you guys all go on and on about like "be prepared." Oh, i gotta train like you whatever train like you fight and like fight like you train or whatever and it's like yeah. well okay so um that's a that's a really important point because and also you're probably like well what's can what can go on here there's different dynamics because for example maybe um, you use that drone to potentially go and find the bad guy. Okay. Or maybe the, you, you were just uh, supervising an area and there was a, there was a bad guy or got another guy in the mix with the drones. And then you went after him, some capacity and the prosecutors going after him. They get me as a criminal defense attorney involved. Well, then I can use the whole situation as an in triangulation to try to see if I can figure out anything on you guys, with dirt. And then maybe say, Hey, well, that's interesting that the cops are also dirty as well. And you're probably like, mm-hmm. does that happen? You're like, no, I did that actually to a uh, a law enforcement agency in a previous court case. Because they had dirty hands too. So uh
0: oh my And,
1: oh, yeah, that'd be really a bummer if the feds were to come after you guys. Right? You see how this got really, like, awkward? Because now all of a sudden you thought you had it over on the other guy. But then the criminal defense attorney is like, you have dirty hands too. And you're like, uh-oh. Uh, wait a second. Yeah, uh, the FAA could come after us too, right guys? Right. You know, like, what do we say? And everyone's like, Ugh. so that's, that's why I've told people over and over again, like you fly lawfully all the time, because if you're not, I'm going to request the, the telemetry data. I'm going to try to find out, you know, if you're ever doing anything wrong, Anywhere to if I was on the uh, on the other side to to potentially look at like hey are these guys actually properly coloring within the lines all the time uh, when they're not being supervised. Um, well, that's or, a point
0: I brought up earlier, which is if you are using a software program which is saving the telemetry data of all the drones that you're flying in in your department, one or a hundred or whatever. And, uh, the majority of your flights violate some aviation regulation beyond the line of sight, whatever it is. I mean, doesn't that, it just seems like that creates a whole big discoverable melting pot of information. That's just going to say you don't really operate safely.
1: Yeah, dude, it's so simple. It's like, Hey, let me see your telemetry. I'm gonna look at your telemetry. I'm gonna see where you took off from. I'm gonna see where the aircraft is. I'm gonna just ask you a quick question. Like, hey, tell me about your vision. Can I ask some questions about it, right? What? Tell me about your vision. Right, you're wearing glasses. Okay, okay. And a 2020 vision, right? Or something, okay, okay. All right, I'm gonna now plug that into some, uh, some formulas and stuff I have. Uh, I can then calculate your max visual ability that you'll be able to actually fly beyond line of sight. And then I got you. It's, it's like a real simple number. It's like those crash scene investigation guys where they can go, mm-hmm. oh, based on the skid tracks and this and that, you were going this speed. I can do the same and go based upon that aircraft and the size of it and your visual acuity. I can actually run those numbers and be like, yeah, uh, pretty much he was at, He was beyond the sight, at which point uh, if that was a contributory cause to the situation, then that's an issue right if it wasn't then it's no harm no foul I can maybe bring that up as a purpose as a point of saying well these guys color outside the lines when they don't think they're getting caught and here's an example of it I wonder what else is going on right do as I say not as I do it kind of makes you look bad but I don't know if that's gonna be a uh, I mean that's a, I would bring that up maybe in a criminal defense situation for a personal injury or something um if it didn't lead to the cause of the crash or the injury or whatever right then that's something I might might bring up but there, there's a there's a There's tools in the tool belt that the attorneys have to ambush the other side. That there's tons of telemetry. Uh, I want to get get your gut reaction
0: on this, and then I'll let you go. I'm sorry. Um, No problem. uh, I have uh, pilots, public safety pilots, that are test flying to actually determine how far visual line of sight actually is under 10731, and I'm going to tell you two numbers. And you tell me what your gut reaction is. For a Mavic, if you're staring at the aircraft and you're determining best guess, good guess, um, altitude, attitude, direction of flight, uh, you know, all of the requirements, if you constantly stare at it, uh, it gets out to about 1,200 feet before you can't determine the position accurately. If you look away from the aircraft, it only has to go about eight hundred feet. Do you have a gut reaction to that?
1: Uh, well, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even have a gut reaction. I would just plug it into a calculator and then try to calculate it with my my stuff. So, what were you saying? It was a Mavic two, Mavic two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are the what's the what's the smallest dimension on the Mavic two? Oh,
0: uh, I I I will tell
1: you that. Yeah. Just everybody on the everybody's like listening like what's going on like, how's he doing this
0: okay the dimension Just, is can i give it to you in millimeters
1: uh, i need inches yeah oh. probably like oh no! Nah. how do you convert them this is like how do you do that <laughs> nobody knows how to do that well what's okay what's the millimeters then
0: i can convert it it is um 64 is the smallest 64 millimeters is the smallest. That's the height.
1: Okay. So the so 66, right? You said? 64. 64. So 64, 64. millimeters. 64. Uh, okay, actually, and then what's the next largest uh, dimension?
0: 168. Uh, Meters. Millimeters.
1: Millimeters. No,
0: yeah.
1: Okay, so let me just plug this in right here. And And, uh, my calculations coming out to 1,894 For that would be your best case scenario. You'd be able to even see that aircraft. Uh, 107.31 would actually be less than that. Um, so, so the thing is, I don't have to prove your 107.31. I just prove that you hit this or you're beyond this number, which I know is a little bit beyond the 107.31. Boom, you're done. And I can figure that out from telemetry. So (laughs) I love that. And you're done. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right john man i have taken up way too much of your time this has been such a pleasure um i i really appreciate it and uh hopefully i can reach out to you again
1: yeah if you uh yeah feel free to and you know there's a bunch of stuff on my website you know regarding tools and different study guides and all sorts of articles yep. and so uh yeah that's actually uh i was playing with this this tool here on uh, my website uh, the visual anesthetic you know, uh, that this, um, tool. So that's how I calculated it. All right, man. Take care. All right. Hey, good chat with you. Right. Bye.
0: Bye. Hi, this is Steve road, your friendly chief pilot here at the public safety flight website. Be sure to visit psflight.org to get in on my private email list, read all the latest posts or ask me all of your public safety drone questions. That's psflight.org, or if that trips you up, you can land in the right place by using publicsafetyflight.org.